from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Welcome to the TK and J Show. I am TK. My co-host Jay, he's under the weather this week. He'll be back next week. Shout out to you, my man. I hope you feel better. Get some rest, and this will be waiting for you next week. We'll get back to a regularly scheduled program at that time. However, this week, you got me, TK. I'm going to revive TK's tirade for one day only, or when Jay's on vacation. We'll just get into the world of sports, kind of talk about what's bothering me a little bit, kind of talk, we'll talk some feel-good stories of the week. Uh, we'll talk some WWE SmackDown episode 1000 and how underwhelming I thought it was for all the hype that it got. We're also going to kind of talk about WWE Crown Jewel and should the WWE still go through with it in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we're going to look at the Browns debacle last week against the Chargers. We're going to look ahead to a very winnable game this weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, we're going to look at some other MLB stories. Maybe talk a little bit of basketball, maybe a little bit. We'll give a fantasy football update and all that stuff. Keep in mind, if you want to get a hold of TK and Jay, you can reach out to us via the Anchor app. Download that Anchor app, check us out, and you can uh, find us at TK underscore J, J-A-E. Leave us a voicemail, love to hear from you. You can tweet at us at J-A-E underscore tk or you can email us tk and j show at yahoo.com love to have you reach out to us also wanted to give another shout out to thanks going out again to jack mccurry for joining us last week uh jack had a lot of great insight we got a lot of positive feedback so jack thanks again for joining us we really appreciate it so usually jay and i would ask each other how our weeks were i'll just go ahead and tell you how mine was i had a pretty good week our bathroom, finally, finally, and I know my wife's going to be happy to hear this, and I know she's happy because I saw the smile on her face yesterday, got the drywall ripped out, got the drywall up, thanks to my dad, we mudded it, sanded it, mudded it, sanded it, smoothed everything out, got all the corners looking good, primed it all up, painted it twice, two coats of paint, it looks like a million bucks in there, and then next week we got our towel coming, can't wait the bathroom tiles coming we're going to put tile the floor we're going to tile up the wall it is going to look awesome and we just got to put the toilet back install the cabinet and then they're going to come out and measure with some kind of laser our countertop for the bathroom we're doing a um, uh, like a marble countertop so we're pretty excited about that so i've been working hard in there getting that ready for uh, people to come over and again shout out to my dad chris for helping us out with that had a wedding this past weekend. Shout out to Logan Cerny and his beautiful bride, Brittany Cerny. Congratulations on your wedding. It was a beautiful day. My wife and I, we were honored to be there and sharing your day. Thank you so much for inviting us. Um, shout out to you guys. I hope you're enjoying your honeymoon. Uh, and when you come back, check out the show. Uh, also, I, as always, I found a way to get some golf in, even though it's uh, only 55 degrees outside. Uh, got eight. 18 holes in yesterday, actually, uh, Tuesday, with a buddy of mine, and played much better than I did the week before at uh, Ohio State's course out there, Hawk's Nest. Oh my goodness, did I play awful. I had to stop keeping score. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to, to get started tonight, guys. This is going to be an awesome show. It's going to be a little bit of a, of a smaller show tonight, only because I don't like to hear myself talk all that much, and quite honestly, um, it's better when there's two of us here, so I'm not going to drag it on and on and on. But let's talk about the Cleveland Browns this past weekend. My goodness, I have no idea what happened. They just didn't show up. I mean, from the opening bell, it just looked like the Browns were always a step or two behind the Chargers. And Phillip Rivers really didn't light us up. We just couldn't stop their ground attack. Melvin Gordon, 18 carries, 132 yards, averaging 7 yards a carry with 3 touchdowns. Austin Eckler, 7 carries, 60 yards, 8.6. Keenan Allen with the end arounds. They got the Browns four different times for 41 yards. Credit to the Chargers. They took advantage of the Browns' aggressiveness on defense. Every time Miles Garrett shot up to try to put pressure on Phillip Rivers, 
They just ran around the edges. But not being able to stop that run and not making that adjustment at halftime, I really have to fault the coaches, Hugh Jackson uh, and Greg Williams for that. Guys, you saw that your team was getting gashed on uh, on the perimeter on, on Sunday, and you guys made absolutely no adjustments. It was a it was a two score game going into the half, with the Chargers getting the ball, and you couldn't do anything to even get your offense back in the game. And I mean, we'll talk about the drops in a few minutes because there was oh, a lot of drops. But giving up 246 yards rushing to only 203 yards passing. It's not a good ratio, and it's not a good way to win the game. It really isn't. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, less than 20 carries for 132 yards. and All of it was outside. If you look at his runs, anytime he tried to run it between the tackles or up the middle, the Browns were able to stop that. But anytime that they rushed outside, they took advantage of the Browns' overaggressiveness and made him pay for it. And Jamie Collins, Jamie freaking Collins, where were you this weekend, my $50 million man? Six tackles, but there are a couple of different videos out out there where Phillip Rivers, of all people, is blocking you down the field at least five, six yards down the field. How is a quarterback blocking you successfully, lowering his shoulder into your mid-chest and pushing you up the field and blocking you for a running back? A, that shows two things. One, you don't care. You got your paycheck, and that's all you want. And two, it just shows how lazy you are. That is an inexcusable effort for a team that is trying to grow. If I'm the Browns, I'm looking to get rid of this guy, send him somewhere, trade him somewhere. I don't care if it's for a seventh-round conditional pick. If that's the kind of effort you're going to get from your $50 million guy, I don't want him on my football team. And the, you know, and the Browns refused to cover Tyrell Williams. Never mind Mike Williams, who might be able to hurt you with his speed. Tyrell Williams, three catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. My goodness, it's like every time they threw the ball to the guy, it was 40 yards down the field, and he's catching touchdown passes. Because Keenan Allen had a pretty pedestrian day, four catches, 62, no touchdowns, but he did have 100 yards of total offense between you know rushing and, and, and receiving. Melvin Gordon, two catches, 18 yards. Uh, Antonio Gates, one for five. Mike Williams, one for four. So they really kept Phillip Rivers in check, but I think they played right into the game plan. I think the Chargers were hoping that the Browns would rush them off the edges, be aggressive, and then the Chargers would run it right down the Browns' throats. For the effort that the fans put into this, for everything that uh, we built this game to be, I think we all got a big reality check maybe that this team just isn't where we thought they were going to be just yet. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to win another game and they're going to finish with two wins. I'm not saying that. Maybe we need to tail back those expectations of AFC North division title or maybe even competing for a wild card. If this team wins anywhere from six to eight games, I would consider that a huge victory. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. There's only one of us. Usually Jay's here rebounding things off of me here. Uh, But if this team wins six to eight games... I'm certainly okay with that. If they win six, I would make a head coaching change. If they win eight, I would definitely keep your coach. Um, But he's got to show that he can make better adjustments. Baker Mayfield had his toughest day as a pro. And again, the Browns got down big early. They had to throw the ball another 46 times. 22 of 46 for 238. Under 50% completion percentage. One touchdown, two interceptions. He was sacked five times. And I felt like he got sacked a lot in the first half of the game. So the Browns did make some adjustments in the passing game that prevent their quarterback from getting killed. But when Baker Mayfield was uh, running for a first down uh, early in the game, as we all know, he tripped on the first down marker flag thing that they have laying down to show where you have to get the line to gain, and he twists his ankle. So now you take your quarterback, who is good at moving the pocket, running around, improvising, making things up as he goes. Now he's got to stand in a pocket that's collapsing around him a lot and quick and fast. And he didn't have his mobility. I looked at my buddy who I was watching the game with, and I said at halftime, maybe you pull the kid. If that's your franchise quarterback and he can't move and he can't run and he's not mobile at this point and you're already down big, even when you know San Diego, San Diego, Los Angeles – went up by three scores. At that time, I looked to Tyrod Taylor and just say, 
do the best you can to get us back into the game, but it wasn't Baker Mayfield's day. I'll give the kid credit for sticking in there and wanting to play and help his team, but more drops plagued the Browns. And also, thanks going out to Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway for showing up. Four catches for 20 yards between the two of them. You had your uh, sixth-round pick, Damian Ratley, lead you in receiving. Six receptions for 82 yards. Duke Johnson had four for 73, but a lot of that came in garbage time. I was happy to see David Njoku get into the swing of things. Seven catches for 55 yards. But if you catch seven balls, you got to be closer to 100 yards, in my opinion, especially at the tight end position. Um, but the Browns are dropping. Every time Baker Mayfield drops back, the Browns are dropping 9% of the balls he throws. And that's the highest in the league, and it's double the next team closest to them. So, you know, Baker Mayfield is credit to this kid coming out and, you know, saying he's got to put the ball in a spot where Jarvis can go get it, where Antonio could go get it, and he's taking the blame for not being accurate. But in his defense, he's being very accurate with a lot of these balls. These guys just aren't making plays for their young quarterback. And that's unacceptable, too. I know that we've been bit by the receiver bug. Rod Streeter breaks his neck. Shout out to Rod. Hope you feel better. We lose Hollywood Higgins for a few weeks to a sprained knee. So some other guys have had to step up. But with that said, I know that, you know, if you were counting on Rod Streeter to help you catch a lot of passes this past Sunday, that's a very flawed scheme by offensive coordinator Todd Haley. I would have had Duke Johnson ready to go more often than than Rod Streeter or even Damian Ratley, and it's nothing against those two. I just think Duke Johnson's the better playmaker. You, you could have had a set where you had Duke Johnson in the slot. You have Jarvis and Antonio lined out wide to the left, wide to the right. You can have Ninjoku from the tight end. So many different things that you could have ran. Um, I really think they kind of hung Baker out to dry a little bit by dropping so many balls. I mean, my goodness. Jarvis Landry, two catches, 11 yards on 10 targets. Two catches, nine yards on seven targets for Callaway. So between the two of them, they had 17 targets, four catches for 20 yards. They almost averaged a little over a yard per target and that's just never going to get it done one thing that i did see that really encouraged me and i have to give him some props for this as much as i hate to do it uh jabril peppers really stepped up on kick returns he i mean yeah he did fumble one and it scared the heck out of everybody and i gotta give him credit he fell right on it you know bounced back to him but on kick returns he had three for 71 which is a 23 yard average which is better than the 10 he's been averaging and even on punt returns instead of catching the ball and running into somebody he actually caught the ball and made, made some things happen had a long of 33 yards on his uh, on punt returns so he definitely put us in position to be successful the Browns just couldn't score they just couldn't do it uh, they started a few drives in charger territory and really got nothing to show for it whether it would be Baker throwing interceptions or just the offense stalling out uh, just a tough tough day for the Cleveland Browns and Man, you would have thought that, you know, it was felt like a playoff game down there when the fans got there. It was loud. It was rowdy. This city, those fans, man, we were ready. We were ready to see our first two-game winning streak, to stay undefeated at home at First Energy Stadium. But it just wasn't meant to be. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. And let me tell you why. This team, as we've said before, has found a way to have a decision in a game five different ways in the first five weeks of the season leading into the Chargers game. They won in regulation, they lost in regulation, they tied, they won in overtime, and they lost in overtime. Five close games might have taken its toll, especially with three of them being overtime games. However, getting punched in the face, getting your butt kicked with the expectations that you had is a great way to serve yourself some humble pie, and I think this team might have needed it because I think maybe their heads got a little bit bigger than what it needed to be. As Hugh Jackson and the coordinators have said, they haven't done anything yet. They haven't won anything yet. So I was really, really, as much as it stung to see it, this is something that this team needed because it was a gut check to them, and I think you're going to see a, a much better effort from the Cleveland Browns this coming up Sunday, especially on both sides of the ball because they played so poorly. And penalties on special teams, again, just crush the Browns, too. Um, but the Browns have a definitely a very, very tall order, which we'll get into after the break this weekend, coming up against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but tell me, I want to hear your thoughts on the game. Email me, tkandjshow at yahoo.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at tk underscore j, or you can hit us up on the Anchor app, leave me a voicemail. 
and that's the Anchor app, and then just search TK underscore J. So yeah, Browns have a clunker this weekend. Every team's going to have a clunker or two at, the, at some point in the season. It's okay. The Browns, they'll rebound from this. Very, very, very winnable game this Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another chance for us to get to the 500 mark. Uh, quite honestly, I'm still okay with where the Browns are because I know that they're not going to win a championship this year, but I still like a lot of the things that I see. I think a healthy Baker, Baker Mayfield being not limited in practice this week is going to be a, it has been a good thing for the, for the Browns. Um, they're signing some guys off, off, off practice squads and off the street to be receivers, which is fine. I'm not a big fan of bringing Des Bryant in here. I think I've said that before. Um, I think he, A, wants too much money. He wants too much of a role. And quite honestly, his role should just be to come in and, and accept any job willing, willing his, to come his way. But his ego is bigger than my house. And I have a pretty nice sized house for a starter house here with my wife. Uh, so if he's not going to come in and be a team guy and he wants to be a me guy, like a Kaimi Irving type of guy. Yes, I said Kaimi, not Kyrie. Kaimi, because he's all about me, me, me. Anyway, jackass. Um, the Browns are going to look for inexpensive receivers to bring in. Now, with a rookie quarterback, eh, I'm not so sure I like that all that much. I'm kind of hoping Rashard Higgins gets back on the field sooner rather than later. I really think that him and Baker Mayfield have a nice rapport. Baker seemed to be very comfortable throwing the ball his way, and he was starting to make some big plays. Uh, so hopefully he'll get better soon. And quite honestly, uh, last thought I'll have here, L.A. Chargers, they're just they're a better football team. They have very high expectations. With the Chiefs losing, they're only one game out of first place in, in the uh, AFC West. Um, I picked the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl this year. I did, and I'll stand behind it. I still think that they're a Super Bowl-caliber team, especially when, they're, when they can beat you in multi-different ways, multi-facets of the game. When they can run for more yards than they pass, that's huge. It's just huge. All right, so that brings us to the end of this segment, guys. I'll be right back here in a little while. Uh, we're going to talk Browns-Buccaneers and look at that matchup and break it down next. Uh, we'll be right back. This is the TK and J Show, TK's Tirade Edition. All right, let's talk some Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Cleveland Browns this weekend. Coming to you from sunny, hopefully for the Browns, Tampa Bay, Florida. The Bucks have decided to part ways with embattled defensive coordinator Mike Smith after a very, very tumultuous start to the season. Um, outside of the game that they won against Philadelphia when they only surrendered 21 points to a struggling Philadelphia team at the time, they've given up 40 27, sorry, sorry, 40, 30, 48, and 34 points in five, four of the five weeks. They're giving up oodles and oodles and oodles of yards, forcing their quarterbacks to throw. For They've had four of their five games, their quarterbacks have thrown for almost 400 yards. Fitzpatrick threw for 400 in the first three, and then Winston throws for 395 last week. And that's just to stay in these games. And they've been in every game except the blowout loss to Chicago uh, when Mitchell Trubisky had his coming out party with six touchdown passes. This is a very beatable team. However, some key, key, key guys missing on defense could really hurt the Browns because there are a lot of toys in uh, Jameis Winston's cabinet for him to throw to. He's got, and even for him to help, help him. He's got Peyton Barber. Uh, 230 yards, three touch. I'm sorry, no touchdowns yet, uh, but he's getting better with each game running the football. I watched the game this past week at my buddy's house on his Sunday ticket. Um, he really impressed me with uh, his awareness hitting holes and um, being an impact on the game. You've got Deshaun Jackson still averaging 100 yards a game, 500 yards on 21 receptions. Mike Evans is still a beast, 484 yards receiving. O.J. Howard is a huge, huge a uh, weapon for Jameis Winston, not only um, outside the red zone, but inside the red zone. Chris Godwin, 21 receptions for 249, but he's got four touchdown receptions. The guy is gold in the, in, in the red zone. Jameis Winston throws it. Chris Godwin finds a way to make things happen. 
And then don't forget about Cameron Brait, who's also a very reliable tight end as well. So there are a lot of different uh, toys that uh, Jameis Winston has at his disposal, not to mention Jameis Winston's legs. If Jameis Winston is in a, in a rough spot, he's not hesitant to pull that ball down and run with it. He's outrun for 38 yards so far in the two games that he's been back, um, and he probably hasn't been running because they've been playing from behind so much. The Bucks are coached by Dirk Cotter. Uh, they started off a very hot 2-0, as we all know. Fitzmagic started off hot, got them off to that 2-0 start when we all thought they might not win a game. Um, and then Fitzmagic fizzled out. Jameis Winston comes in in the second half loss uh, to the Bears where they're getting blown out after they pull Fitzpatrick. And Winston's your starter, completing 75% of his passes, 540 yards, five touchdowns, four interceptions. He can be careless with his decision-making sometimes, which I think that's a spot where the Browns can really, really take advantage of it because the Browns still have uh, turned over the ball 16 times this season. Uh, so look for the Browns to take advantage of poorly thrown balls by uh, Jameis Winston, poor decisions by Jameis Winston. Um, and with the defensive coordinator changing this week, there is no time like now to go down there and get a win because a new coordinator is not going to have a week. is not enough time to put your stamp on a defense. You can tinker with your schemes. You can tinker somewhat with your personnel. But as far as putting in your defense, it's probably not going to happen this year. So they're probably going to use a lot of Mike Smith's concepts and ideas and schemes and just tweak them a little bit to try to help themselves get better. Um, defenses led by Chase and Pierre-Paul, uh, probably the, really the, their best off, or sorry, defensive player. Um, let's see. He has five sacks already this year. Yep, absolutely. No one else has more than a sack and a half. Uh, so he's definitely the leader of that defense, but... If you can stop him, you know, protect Baker Mayfield from Jason Pierre-Paul, they're going to they're gonna struggle to put pressure on the quarterback. They are one of the worst teams at providing pressure on a quarterback in the NFL for the first five games. Only 20% of dropbacks are they able to uh, get pressure on a quarterback. So in theory, out of that, four out of every five times or eight out of every ten passes that Baker Mayfield throws – he should be able to do it with, with a clean pocket without having to move around too much, letting plays develop how they should develop because the Bucks secondary just can't seem to cover anybody. And maybe that helps someone like Jarvis Landry get going or somebody like Antonio Callaway get going. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, I would say his last two games have been decent and very subpar. And I've said his subpar games this weekend is a test for this franchise quarterback to be. You want him to be a franchise quarterback, yes. But is he ready to be labeled that? I still need to see a little bit more from him. Um, I need to see how he responds to a butt kicking like this past week. Not only did he have a hurt ankle, he had a tough time being accurate. He had a lot of drop balls. How does this guy respond to adversity? So you have a road game against a very, very, very weak defense. This matchup favors the Cleveland Browns, even though that the Browns are missing Joe Schobert on defense. Christian Kirksey is more than capable of calling a defense, making sure guys are in the right spots. Kirksey's been here just as long as Schobert. I think Kirksey's a better player as well. Somebody's just going to be next man up. Somebody's going to have to step up and and step in Joe Schobert's shoes for these next few weeks while he recovers from that hamstring injury. Um, but this game, I think it has a potential to be another offensive shootout. Uh, because of the guys the Browns are missing on defense, Joe Schobert being the biggest one. Uh, Joe Schobert is probably the heart and soul of that defense. Does so much for the Browns. He calls defenses. Uh, he's a leader. Um, guys respect him. Guys like him. And he just does so much. He leads the NFL in tackles, too. So if you have a guy that is leading the NFL in tackles, gets taken out of your uh, lineup, it's very, very tough for you to... Uh, to adapt to that. He's got 49 tackles. Jamie Collins has 38. Demarius Randall has 34. Um, so we got to get Jamie Collins. Come on, Jamie. Another effort like that. If Jameis Winston blocks you down the field, you will find yourself on the jackass list so fast it will make your head spin. And I know that people are listening to this because I see the numbers. It's getting out there. So the defensive line is really going to have to step up this week. They're really going to have to 
maybe dial back the aggressiveness slightly because now that the book is out, if the Browns want to be aggressive with their defensive line, mainly your uh, Miles Garrett's of the world and Larry Ogunjobi's, if my goodness, I lost my train of thought and I apologize. If those guys get up the field quick and you run a sweep play or you run to the outside the opposite way, you're going to negate those guys and you know the, the book is out. You can beat the Browns if you rush to the outside. So linebackers are going to have to contain. Maybe you dial back your aggressiveness a little bit. You pick and choose your your uh, when you're going to to blitz and when you're going to put pressure. But if you can get it in into Jameis Winston's face, this Browns team is more than capable of picking off some passes, making him make some bad decisions and getting the ball in good territory and on the plus side of things for the young quarterback. But the offense, Haley, you've got to find ways to get your playmakers involved. Get Duke Johnson the ball. You need to get Jarvis Landry going early, even if it's just a couple of quick slants or if you want to run a bubble screen. Take a shot early. Try to get Callaway involved. It only takes one positive play to jumpstart a team, to jumpstart a guy. Do the things that you do well and get them done early. So that way when you get that that big turnover and you're on, you start a drive from the 40-yard line of the Bucks are in, your team's feeling confident about themselves. They're feeling good about themselves. And anything you call has a great opportunity to work because your team is confident. Don't come out and get cute right away. Get your playmakers involved. Get Duke Johnson the ball. Get... Uh, Jarvis Landry involved, like I've said. Get Antonio Callaway going. I wouldn't even mind seeing Nick Chubb come out and, and run the ball some. My goodness, the guy is is killing it. 16 carries, 173 yards, that averages 10.8. Now, is he going to average 10.8 yards per carry if he gets more carries? No, I get it. But, but he's a playmaker. Nothing against Carlos Hyde, but you've already given the ball to Carlos Hyde 114 times this season. I don't want Carlos Hyde getting beat up. I want him around when this team is really good next year hunting for a playoff spot. Get Nick Chubb that experience now. If you're not going to the playoffs this year and you're not going to be a serious contender, then get these kids their opportunities now. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Please get your playmakers involved early. It only helps the rest of the team perform. Get up early and see what it's like to play with a lead for once. Get up by 14 points. Get up by 20 points. See what that feels like. I want Tyrod Taylor to have to come into a game because the Browns are killing their opponent. <coughs> Excuse me. I want Baker Mayfield to average more than 247 yards a game. I want him to have more touchdowns and interceptions. I don't want to have a 9.6% drop rate. This, this week solely lies with how Todd Haley is going to call the game because I still think with the guys that they're missing and the defense is banged up as it is that they can hang on and hold down that Bucks offense enough but our guys have to step up and Todd it starts with you it starts at the top Hugh Jackson it starts with you it starts at the top with you you guys need to get together you need to get on the same page and you need to figure out and come up with a scheme that's going to help this team be successful from the first snap of the game and these guys got to come out ready to play from the first snap of the game no more coming out flat no more coming out not ready to play no more coming out giving up seven quick points when that game starts, when that coin toss starts, when they throw that coin up and it's time to figure out who gets the ball first, those guys should be foaming at the mouth then to play some football. What happened last Sunday was inexcusable, and you need to make up for it this Sunday, but you can't keep going win-loss, win-loss, or loss-win, loss-win. At some point, you have to put some wins together. This team has learned how to win. Now they need to learn how to win multiple games back-to-back-to-back-to-back. You know what that would do for the confidence of these young guys, for Baker Mayfield, for Antonio Callaway, for the psyche of the team, for the organization? You jumped in the lake to cleanse it. Cleanse it. Finish it. Win. And it starts with game planning. My my omen, my, my, my prayers, my thoughts are with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Please, I can't stress it enough. Don't get cute. Come out, play offense, high percentage plays, get your guys involved, 
and the rest will take care of itself. It really will. This is a game that the Browns should win. The Bucks are reeling. They've lost three in a row in very bad fashion. They've been blown out twice. They lost a close game last week to the Falcons, which really wasn't all that close if you really, because that's a bad Falcon defense. And you're coming off one of the worst losses you've had in the last few years. Last year's a wash, but the worst loss that you've had so far this year, excuse me, that should leave a taste in your mouth to come out and punch Tampa Bay in the mouth from the beginning. They're in two or three team, nail that coffin down, shove them down in their grave and bury them. Get out there, play Cleveland Browns football, hard-nosed, get Carlos Hyde going, get Nick Chubb going, get your playmakers going, run the ball down their throats, use the run to set up the pass, help your young quarterback be successful. I don't want to see Baker Mayfield throwing it 40-plus times this weekend. If Baker throws it under 30 times, 30 or less, Browns win. I guarantee it. This week, look for your Cleveland Browns to come out strong, to come out fast. I can tell you this, based off things I've seen on social media, things I've heard on the radio, this team did not like that feeling last week of getting punched in the mouth and beat up. They didn't like it. Especially a lot of these younger guys who were here last year and the years before that, getting a taste of winning, they like it. They like the way it feels. It feels good. The city gets behind you. Browns come out early this weekend. They punch Tampa Bay in the mouth. Cleveland Browns win. Going away. And the Browns are going to put up some points this week because this defense is awful. Browns win 31-23 and a thriller. Go Browns. We'll be back with the top stories of the week. All right, let's get back to some top stories of the week here that we had in the world of sports. But before I do that, there's a Twitter account out there that I absolutely love. I just, I enjoy getting up every day and reading his tweets. Um, I enjoy his insight. Uh, I mean, he just seems like a, a super genuine good dude. I want to shout out the TK and J show, one of our friends, Tank Shottle. At Tank Shottle, T-A-N-K. S-C-H-O-T-T-L-E. Tank is a special Olympics athlete out of Texas. And he tweets many times a day just inspirational things, things for you to think about. Um, And it's just an inspiration because with all the crazy things that are going on in this world, all the bad things that are going on, especially sometimes how vile Twitter can be, how heinous and awful people can be, it's nice to get on and read about Tank. Um... Go check him out. He's looking to get 30,000 followers. He's at 23.9,000. I hope that this podcast gets you some followers, Tank. Um, Tank plays six sports down in uh, Texas. He does softball, volleyball, basketball, track, golf, and bocce. My man, Tank, you are busy all year round. Holy smokes, my man. I'd love to have you on the show and have you talk about uh, what you do to stay in shape, your training regimen. Um, I'd love to talk about your Twitter account and just how special I think it is. Uh, like today, five hours ago, he, he tweeted out, Dear Twitter friends, as a Special Olympics athlete, my message for everyone, just continue to be happy and enjoy life. Man, that tank, that is awesome, buddy. That is awesome. And I saw that your uh, your state softball tournament was canceled due to weather. They'll get that going again soon, buddy. And I know you go out there and dominate and play uh, softball the way I know Tank can. Tank, love to hear from you. Love to have you on the show. We're going to tag you on Twitter when I release the show's uh, thing tonight. But everybody, give Tank a follow. Show Tank some love. Uh, friend of show, at Tank Shottle. T-A-N-K-S-C-H-O-T-T-L-E. Tank, you keep doing what you do, you keep doing it well, and I look forward to reading your tweets every single day. God bless you, my man. Keep working hard, keep playing hard, and as a good guy in Cleveland and always says, Mr. Michael Regai, whatever sport you play, you just make sure that you bring it strong, my friend. Well done. So let's talk some football now. Uh, After the meltdown Nathan Peterman had this past week uh, when the... uh, 
Bills were playing this past weekend, throws an interception right at the end of regulation. And, oh, man, that just that, that kills you. He, he was playing well for an, uh, an injured uh, – I apologize, folks. I had my notes here in front of me because I like to, you know, talk with you guys with some notes. Not that I'm reading it verbatim just so I don't lose my train of thought. But when my computer decides to be an SOB, it makes me have to take a look at all this here. And I have a tough time keeping up with everything in the league. There's so many games, so many things that we do. Bills are playing the Texans um, this past weekend. And they actually played well most of the game. They were winning that defense is stout. Uh, but Josh Allen uh, had to go out of the game with a questionable hit uh, to his elbow. Uh, Nathan Peterman comes in and goes Nathan Peterman. He did throw a nice touchdown pass, but he threw two critical interceptions. And after starting 0-3, the Houston Texans are now 3-3 and very much in the thick of, uh, of, of their division race. Uh, but Buffalo came out today and named journeyman starter, I'm sorry, journeyman backup, Derek Anderson, 35-year-old ageless wonder, their starting quarterback for this upcoming game this weekend. And why is that significant? Because he has only been in camp with the Bills for a week and a half. He hasn't been in training camp. He hasn't been around basically since last year when he was back up to Cam Newton. So the fact that they're going with him over someone that they have uh, groomed uh, to, to be a quarterback for them, even though they uh, drafted Josh Allen, uh, is a very tall tale sign that they are looking to not lose their locker room and showing their team that at 2-4 and four, maybe they still can compete. They have struggled all year to score points. Derek Anderson is not Nathan Peterman. He's slightly better. He's a game manager at this point. He's not the gunslinger that he was when we saw him here in Cleveland. Um, but he's a guy that is well-respected around the league. He's a good teammate. He does work hard. Um, and he is a better option than Nathan Peterman, quite honestly, folks. I'm a better option than Nathan Peterman at this point. I don't think I could throw 10 interceptions in career in 92 career attempts. I'd find a way to maybe only throw five. Um, Nathan Peterman, just he's just not a good NFL quarterback. How he started and played as much as he has is a mystery to me. But I just wanted to shout out D.A. because, quite honestly, Derek Anderson, outside of Brian Hoyer, has had the best season that we've seen as a Browns quarterback since we've come back. He led us to our only 10-win season that we've had since we've come back. So as I look through the annals of Browns quarterbacks, you have, you know, Tim Couch is my, you know, I have to say he's the best one of all time because he won the most games since they've been back in 90, since 99. So all time, or not, since 1999, not all time, poor choice of words. You got Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb, Derek Anderson, Brian Hoyer. I know it's not saying much, but those four have at least given us something to cheer for, um, since they've been back, a lot of the other guys really haven't given us all that much yet. Um, and I'm hoping Baker uh, changes that. Another feel-good story this week that I that I kind of like, um, and I know that you know we've had our issues with uh, Jason Kipnis in the past with his performance on the field, but his performance off the field, just the kind of human being that Jason Kipnis is, shout-out to Jason Kipnis. After every year when the Indians clean out their lockers, he does like a shoe toss to the fans. He autographs his shoes that he's not going to use anymore. He throws them out to the fans, and he bats, and he batting gloves. Anything that he's not going to use next year, instead of throwing it away, he goes out, interacts with the fans, signs items, takes pictures, gives it away, gives some love back to the fans. With the kind of season that Kipnis has had, especially over the last two, and with the way things ended for the Indians, Jason, I got to say, my, my man, you grow on me more and more every day. I want to see you bounce back and be successful here because you're the type of player that makes it very easy for me to root for you and to stand up for you, even when maybe I shouldn't. Because you're a good human being, you're a classy guy, and you're true to the fans. Yeah, a lot of people didn't want you in there this year, but that didn't stop you from going out there, giving your love to the fans, giving your respect to the fans, and just being there for them. So, Kip... Kudos to you. Thanks so much for doing that. Next year, I'm going to get down there and do that uh, after next season. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be doing it. You know, Maybe you'll just be throwing your, uh, your cleats and your shoes and your bats out to the fans while we're doing a World Series championship parade. That would be really cool. Uh, since I just came up with that idea, you have to throw something to me um, and come on the show uh, when you do that. Uh, 
Big baller brands. Oh, boy. Those jackasses. We got a jackass list update coming soon for you, folks. Speaking of big baller brands and good old LeVar, my goodness, they've come out with a cheaper shoe. Well, congratulations. You came out with a cheaper shoe. I feel so bad for Lonzo, Leangelo, and the Mellow guy's delusional their dad he is a delusional human being so they are going to have uh, a new version of their shoe come out and it's multicolored. it's got orange and red and blue and bright yellow ew it's just an ugly looking shoe and i'm a guy where i've probably spent four hundred dollars on my shoes lifetime like i'm not one that goes out and spends crazy money on shoes just because a, I, I, I'm just rough on shoes, so why do I want to spend that money? But B, if I'm going to go spend $200 on something, I don't want it to be a pair of shoes that's going to get muddy, rainy, gross. I mean, I live in Northeast Ohio. It could be snowing one day, and then the next day it could be 85 and sunny, and I'm playing golf. So why would I want like a $200 pair of shoes in this part of the woods? It just doesn't make sense. So they had the Z02s that came out, and they were $495 up to $695 for bigger sizes. I just don't understand. That's a house payment for people. $4.95 to $6.95, and especially in this area where my wife and I live, closer to like six, seven hundred bucks. That's a house payment for people. Who in their right mind would want to go buy shoes for seven hundred dollars and then wear them? If I were to buy a seven hundred dollar Power Ranger helmet, I'd put it on one time and take a picture with it, and then I'm putting it in a case that can't get broken, busted, beat up, nothing. If you spent between $500 and $700 on shoes, call me. I've got some shoes that you can buy too for half the price. Slightly worn, slightly muddy. However, this show's getting pretty big. So this could be worth something someday. I got some shoes. I'm looking right at them right now. They're yours. Half the price of the big baller. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and quote um, uh, a part of this article. Credit to ESPN.com. The $495 price point achieved its goal of being crazy disruptive, achieved its goal of making people look up and seeing the audacity and the swagger that Big Baller brand has, said David Ray Racy, who designed the shoes. The fact that we could even do that says a lot about the fact that it's a movement more than anything else. David, audacity. Yes, you're right. It's all it's I can't believe you had the audacity to charge $700 for a pair of shoes. And who bought them? One everyday person bought those shoes. The only people who could probably afford to buy those shoes without putting it on a credit card or a credit plan or a payment plan are your celebrities. No one's paying $500 for a pair of shoes for their kid's high school. You must be outside your mind. And the fact that you're going to charge 200 for your lower end shoe, that's a slap in the face. I mean, you're going to you're going to charge more than the LeBrons, you're going to charge more than the, the Jordans because you're the big baller brand? Stop it. LeVar, you're you're delusional. I hope nobody ever buys any of these. This is definitely something I say no to and I'll get Jay's thoughts on it. Maybe he can throw a tweet out there on Twitter about it. But to me, it's asinine to charge that amount of money for shoes and then have the audacity to say, oh, well, those guys, those of you who paid five to $700, thank you so much because that puts some money in our pockets. Now I can offer a $200 shoe. <clears throat> I would be asking for a refund. And some of these people don't even have their shoes yet. They've been on back order. So they took all this money up front so they could fund their little, their little program, shoe program, whatever. And now they're finally starting to come out in stages. You have got to be kidding me. Such garbage. My goodness, that is terrible. So NBA season kicked off yesterday and today and tomorrow and Saturday and the TKJ show. We don't care. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry to say, but, you know, we're just not NBA fans here right now. I'm on an NBA sabbatical, and I have not watched one inning of baseball since the Indians were eliminated. I'm just salty by the whole thing. And it makes me even more salty now because of this next story that I want to share with you guys. 
It came out a couple days ago, and I thought about doing a show on it, but I wanted to keep it family-friendly. But the Indians are uh, filing a complaint with Major League Baseball and the Red Sox, a couple other teams have during the season, of the Astros cheating with uh, cameras trying to steal signs. Now, the Astros were clearly the better team going into the series against the Indians. I think I had my Homer glasses on. I had my, well, if this, 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 and this happens, or, you know, best case scenario, we can win in five. We were outclassed and outgunned from the very beginning. They were the better team. However, they did not need to cheat. They had a representative from their uh, organization trying to get access to the camera bay right next to the Indians' dugout. Now, if you're not a member of the national media who's doing cameras or taking pictures for various outlets, as a member of an organization, what business do you have going into the home team's dugout, sorry, the home team's camera dugout on their side with a camera, with a uh, videotape recorder? That's a way to steal signs. Now, I felt like the Astros just had a response for everything that we did, but that's just because they were better. I don't, I don't want to think that, you know, every pitch that we threw, they knew a fastball was coming, or every pitch that we threw, they knew a breaking ball was coming, or every pitch was, you know, a cutter, or what the case might be. They took advantage of every mistake that the Indians made. The Indians t- made no efforts to take advantage of any mistakes, if any, that the Astros made. But you're already one of the best teams in baseball. Why do you feel the need to try to cheat to get an advantage? And how long have you been doing this for? To me, that taints your World Series championship from last year. And it's a shame because if any of these players, if A.J. Hinch, the manager, if you're using this information as a competitive advantage, shame on you. Shame on you. You've got enough talent there to beat anybody. And kudos, kudos, not kudos, I have a major beef, major beef with Major League Baseball, saying it found no violations by the Houston Astros related to alleged sign stealing during the postseason. Now, key word there is during the postseason, because they have not commented on any of the complaints they've gotten about the Astros from the regular season. But to me, there nobody should be in those bays other than credentialed cameramen. Or, uh, you know, I hear sometimes you have your social media ambassador might be in that area. But you should be on the Astro side, not the Indian side. Baseball is a tough enough game to play. Trying to hit a ball at 100 miles an hour from 60 feet, 6 inches away from where it's moving all over the place, dancing all over the plate. You do not need to be getting that much of a competitive advantage so that way you know other teams' signs, steal signs, fastball signs, whatever the case might be. That is garbage. That is Bush League. And for the amount of money that gets paid to these players, for the amount of money that's in advertising, for the amount of money that's in Vegas, that is horse crap. It's inexcusable. I'm just kind of skimming through this article while I'm I'm chatting with you guys. All clubs remaining in the playoffs have been notified to refrain from these types of efforts and to direct complaints about any in-stadium rules violations to the MLB staff For investigation and resolution, we consider the matter closed. You had a guy in the camera area on the Indian side doing stuff, and he was ejected. And you're saying that they did nothing wrong? Doesn't an ejection scream something was done wrong? I'm on my tirade. I'm upset about the Indians losing, and this is just another reason to throw in the fire to piss off Cleveland fans, to piss off baseball fans. Houston, garbage. That guy should be fired tomorrow, today, yesterday. He should be gone. Blackballed from baseball like Pete Rose. Get out. Never allowed in again. That is just as bad as betting on your team, stealing signs from other teams. Now, if you're a player on the field and you're on second base and you're looking in and you can figure out something and you relay that to your team, that's fine. That's part of the game. But you don't need help from people who are not on the field playing the game trying to steal signs. That is Bush League. That is not fair. That is not how this game is meant to be played. My gosh. As if as if Manfred needs anything else for people to hate him for. The fact that, you know, this Chief Wahoo basically dangling the All-Star game in front of the Indians' face if they get rid of Chief Wahoo. 
the cheating that's been coming in baseball, especially with these uh, stealing of signs, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the fact that MLB said that the case is closed, it should still be under investigation because you guys were, they were caught red-handed. I don't care that it's the playoffs. Do something. Suspend a manager for a game. Find the club. Keep the owners away from the games. I don't care. Something. <clears throat> Do something to make people feel better about it. Don't just close the case because you're in the ALCS. That is a cheap, garbage way out, and I am quite frankly disappointed that they stooped to that. My goodness. Oh. Anyway, let's move on and talk about SmackDown 1000. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched the very first episode of SmackDown back in the day. Featured Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, all the old school people that we love, know and loved, were on that were on the very first episode. 19 years later, we get SmackDown 1000. WWE did a very nice job in the beginning, I thought, with the little uh, video vignette that they did showing all the different superstars who helped make SmackDown over the years. But the fact that John Cena did a pre-recorded video off his cell phone, The Rock was only able to tweet, so far nothing from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, yeah, you had Evolution show up, but Evolution was never on SmackDown as a whole to begin with, so why was that so special that they were there together last night? Why wasn't Steve Austin there? How could you not get The Rock there? What was John Cena doing that he couldn't be there? I mean, I don't like John Bradshaw Layfield. I think he's a jackass, too, and he's going on the list tonight. That I can tell you. I'm writing it down right now because I've never been a JBL fan just because of how he is behind the scenes and how he has always been a bully and collects a paycheck for doing absolutely nothing in that company. But he kind of had a big part of SmackDown. I was very, very... Uh, uh, disappointed with the fact that Undertaker comes out, takes three minutes to walk to the ring. I got three words for DX. Rest in peace. Well, that's great, because you said that in your video, Vinette, with Kane last night on Raw. So, SmackDown 1000, all the things you've done, from being the Undertaker to the American Badass, back to the Undertaker, and all you can do is come out in front of a live audience and say the same thing you said on a recorded Vinette the day before? Very underwhelming. No Stone Cold, very underwhelming. The opening segment had a lot of potential, but I still question, why were R-Truth and Camilla opening the show with Truth TV? And the, 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 the dance break or whatever, that's dumb. This is SmackDown 1000. I expect to be entertained from start to finish. So then Stephanie comes out and she's heel Stephanie. Okay. Shane comes out. Shane O'Mac, thanks the fans, does his thing as, as a Shane McMahon face. Totally fine with that. All of a sudden... The boss's music hits. Here comes Vince. Strolling down to the ring like Vince McMahon can. I'm like, all right, cool. He's going to get rid of R-Truth. He's going to make a couple of announcements. We're going to get, you know, this is maybe where Austin comes out and we get some stunners again or something maybe we haven't seen before. And he hypes up Truth TV and they start doing a dance-off. And then the announcers take over and, and, and they kind of set up the show. You know, very, very underwhelming uh, open for SmackDown 1000. The best part of SmackDown 1000's open was the video vignette they did paying homage to all the wrestlers uh, that helped build SmackDown. Honestly, um, I thought the Mimang segment and, and on Truth TV was very, very underwhelming. Uh, I thought Batista was awesome on his uh, promo with Evolution. Uh, Randy Orton talked. Kind of dissed everybody as heel Randy Orton would. I kind of like that. Uh, Ric Flair was Ric Flair. Ric Flair looks awful. And I know he almost died, but my God, does Ric Flair look old. He looks awful. But he still gets people cheering. He can still cut a promo. Triple H, obviously, as we know, has got a big thing coming up uh, with Degeneration X, uh, Crown Jewel. Uh, he had an Evolution shirt on. Batista took the mic. Funny stuff with Ric Flair. Hey, I'm going to ignore what Randy Orton says. But then he says he's accomplished, so, it talks about Triple H and how he's accomplished so much, except for beating him. And he set it up beautifully. You could feel the tension in the ring. That was the best segment of the night as far as talk goes. I thought that, that those guys 
did a very good job. That's going to set up a future match between Batista and Triple H. Look for Batista probably to get inducted into the Hall of Fame and have a retirement uh, match this year. Um, Undertaker's probably looking to do the same thing. Um, Edge came back last night, which I, I I enjoyed. You know, face Edge. I enjoyed heel Edge. He came back to host the Cutting Edge with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, basically saying, you know, telling Becky Lynch, you know, how he his rise to the top as the heel character. You know, you kind of find yourself in a spot where you have everything that you ever wanted in the in the company, but nobody to share it with. And she basically turned it on, on him. Charlotte comes out and they brawl. But Edge did so much for WWE, I thought that cutting edge was very underwhelming. It was very poorly done. Um, basically, after they started brawling, Edge just kind of left the ring and you never heard from him again. And I'm just like, that's it? Like... Edge had a ridiculous match with at ridiculous matches with John Cena on SmackDown, Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown, Undertaker, and you have him do the Cutting Edge with. And don't get me wrong, that's a great rivalry, but I, you could have used Edge a lot better in that in that thought in that situation. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan lost to the Usos. That was probably uh, the second best wrestling match of the night. Um, not bad at all. And then you had. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus, the bar, they defeated the New Day uh, with help from a uh, the Big Show turning heel to capture the SmackDown championships. Pretty underwhelming. They had Booker T and King on commentary from uh, the New Day's announce table. And at one point, King had no idea that they were live. He goes, oh, Book, hey, look, we're live. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, guys. Like, you didn't know that they were coming to you for commentary. Pretty bad. I thought they made Booker T and King look pretty pretty awful. I would have had you know them guests you know maybe kicked out uh, Corey Graves and uh, Byron Saxton and had uh, had um, King and Booker T do commentary for that. I thought that would have been a better way to go. Or even have Jim Ross come back, maybe have like a retro uh, SmackDown announcing team for that. I just thought that would have been a you know much 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 better use of, of the talent. Um, Rey Mysterio. Captain of the 619 came back last night in a crown jewel, uh, not crown jewel, I apologize. They are doing uh, the WWE Cup, and he was in a WWE Cup qualifying match to be crowned at crown jewel. He, in, in his return to SmackDown, almost a four-year absence, he defeated uh, U.S. champion Shitsuke Nakamura in a very entertaining match. Um, honestly, I was booking it. The finish of this match being SmackDown 1000 and so close to Eddie Guerrero's birthday. Eddie Guerrero's birthday was last week. I would have had him do a five-star frog splash to end the match in tribute to Eddie Guerrero. That's what I would have done. Uh, but I'm not the booker. If I was the booker, I think this would be, uh, it would have been a much better show. So all in all, very underwhelming two hours for all the hype that it got, for all the buildup that it got, for all the names that should have been there. Uh, SmackDown 1000, pretty underwhelming. Um, but kind of sets up uh, my next thought here. And I'm not going to make this a political debate because Jay and I agree not to talk politics here. But unless if you live under a rock, you kind of know the situation going on with the uh, journalist from the time, New York Times over in Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to get into all the details that are coming out because nobody knows what's fact and what's not. I get that the WWE has a multi-year contract, a multi-million dollar contract and a multi-year contract with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to do big events in Saudi Arabia. However, being the publicly traded company that WWE is, having all the sponsorship deals that they have, being involved in all the different charities that they're involved in, to go through with this crown jewel pay-per-view as it is currently set where they want to have it in Saudi Arabia, I think would be a horrible, horrible mistake. And I know John Bradshaw Layfield went on a, 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 a television show the other day and said it's not fair to punish the kids of Saudi Arabia. I get that. But you can't also put some of your top talent and some of your top Hall of Famers and some of your top all-timers in a position to potentially get hurt, get assaulted, whatnot. It's a bad look for this publicly traded company to go there. With three weeks to go, I'm sure there's a venue they could find and still have the card that they want to have. Honestly. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to be political. WWE, 
this is what's not best for business. As a lifelong fan, if you go through with this in Saudi Arabia, with the facts how they are now, like I said, you can read about them. I'm not going to digest them here. If they grow through with it, as the facts are now, if no other information comes out, this WWE lifelong fan will be done. I just don't think we can. Uh, we, we that would be uh, the wisest thing to do. Anyway, last but not least tonight, folks, I said this is going to be a shorter show than it is. Um, I have a jackass list update. Yes, I have a couple of additions to the jackass list. As you know, Kyrie Irving is the president. Isaiah Crowell is the vice president. And Aaron Goldhammer is in the Senate. However, however, Jay made a very impassioned plea last week. This is TK's tirade slash TK first. Once you're on that jackass list, you never come off. However, however, I'm willing to concede to Jay. He's right. You have to take LeBron off that list. Because... As I thought about it more after we went off the air, as I reflected more about the show last week and my thoughts about him, my thoughts about him are sporting my favorite sports, one of my favorite sports teams, former favorite sports teams, whatever. But if he truly cares about his legacy off the court, basically being a good dad, being a good husband, giving back to his community, putting kids through college, building a school, that's bigger than basketball. That's that's that he's changing the lives of people in a community that might not have had their lives changed had someone like him never come along. And with that, I am proud and happy to say that LeBron James has been removed from the jackass list because his contributions to society far outweigh him leaving us twice. And that's unfair to look at it from that view um, with that kind of uh, hate. Um because I was kind of hateful of him for a while, and I hate to say that word. So I am okay taking LeBron off. I feel good about it, um, because LeBron James, the human being, is, is a damn good person, damn good individual, and does a lot for his family, does a lot for the community that he lives in, um, with scholarships and a partnership with the University of Akron to opening the, opening the I Promise School. Um, I have to give him credit. So credit where credit is due. LeBron, you're off the jackass list. However... LeBron comes off, and we add two more to the jackass list. I am going to add Mr. John Bradshaw Layfield for the bully that he is, for the douchebag that he is. Um, he All the stories you hear from him backstage, he's always picking on people, always a bully. Basically, WWE's kind of paying him to stay away, and I think that's good. And... Because I just can't stand him. Mr. Big Baller Brand himself, LeVar Ball, you, sir, are one of the biggest jackasses of them all. And you, sir, have catapulted yourself as the vice president of the jackass list. You, sir, are now in the vice's chair. So to update everybody, as of 10-17-2018, you have Kymie Irving. Thanks, Rick Noland. Stole that from you. Give you credit. Kymie Irving is the president. LeVar Ball is the vice president. Isaiah Crowell, Aaron Goldhammer, and JBL, you are all Senate members of the jackass list. And with that, folks, that's going to conclude the show tonight. Thanks so much for joining in. I do appreciate it. If you want to hit us up, please do. Hit us up on Twitter at J-A-E underscore T-K. Shoot me an email, tkandjshow at yahoo.com. Download that Anchor app. Leave us a voicemail. Tell me your thoughts about the Browns. Tell me your thoughts about WWE. Give me some thoughts on some things we can do to make the show better. Uh, Find us under there at tk underscore jae. We'd love to hear from you guys. Your guys' participation means the world to us. Um, And again, shout out to Tank Shuttle. Tank, keep doing what you do. You keep representing Special Olympics well. I am proud to be involved in Special Olympics. I am proud to be a head coach of a basketball team. To me, there is no better job in this world as far as coaching goes than coaching those Special Olympics athletes that I do. They have profoundly changed my life, how I look at life, 
um, just with the way that they conduct themselves and they carry themselves. And it is an honor and a pleasure to be around them. So Tank, keep doing what you do. And anytime you want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. We'd love to talk to you um, and just hear your thoughts because uh, you're a special guy. And uh, we're proud to, uh, to know you on our show. Uh, next week, Jay will be back, guys. Uh, he'll be feeling better. I know he will be. He'll bounce back. We'll break down the Browns and Bucks game. We'll look ahead to the rematch with the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. And we'll see what else is going on uh, in the world of sports and in the world of life. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know it was a one-man show. Kind of uh, grinded my way through it. Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys, the fans. And as always, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.